0: I'm continuing tonight with the next couple of precepts. I started um, uh, last time I taught, I started the five precepts, the five training precepts as uh, which are one of the foundational teachings in Buddhism. And um, just for those who may not be familiar, the five precepts are Buddha's prescription for ethical behavior, and uh, which allows us to live in the world uh, without causing harm, to be in harmony with the world, the rest of the world. And they're primarily for lay people. The monastics, especially in early Buddhism, um, Theravada and Buddhism, have a lot more... Uh, precepts rules so to speak uh for behavior and but lay people just have these five uh but they're really quite important and i i love ruth king and i, I she says um she's a teacher she says that um sh- her intention for her life is to live in a way that makes it safe for people to be around her and practicing these precepts make it safe for people to be around us. And they're not commandments in that they are thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do that. But they're really a way that we can um, frame our lives and uh, look at our behaviors and our actions and see whether they're moving in a in a, in a wise way or an unskillful way that causes harm and the first precept which i talked about last time was to not intentionally take a life and that's incredibly important obviously for reasons i don't have to talk about and so not intentionally take a life not intentionally causing harm but also to cultivate kindness and compassion so these precepts not only have what feel like a very negative context, don't do this, don't do that. But also there's a implicit do something that actually is of benefit, like cultivating kindness, cultivating compassion. So that was the first precept. And today I want to talk about the second precept and the third precept. And the second precept is to abstain from taking what's not freely offered. And I'll get into that. Um, and the third precept is to abstain abstaining from mm, sexual misconduct and so let me talk about the second one which is to uh, abstain from taking what's not freely offered and the buddha talks about that and um and later in some of the commentaries it, it kind of actually delineates it a little bit more and so i just want to touch on those so you get a sense of what this is talking about um Taking what is not given can be committed by um, stealing, taking the um, taking the uh, belongings of another in st- in secret, burglary, I suppose. Um, robbery, taking what belongs to others openly by force or threat, snatching, suddenly pulling away another's possession before they have time to resist. Um, and fraudulence, gaining possession of another's belongings by falsely claiming them as one's own. Or five, deceitfulness, using false weights and measures to cheat customers. And I always have the image of the, um, the butcher with um, his thumb on the scale to, uh, to put some extra weight so they can charge you more for whatever you're purchasing. And so that is what um, the Buddhist buddha's teaching in the early the early commentaries talk about um uh, not taking what's not freely offered and it is a factor of if you think about it it's a factor or is driven by greed it's driven by craving um somebody wants something that is not theirs and so they will take it by hook or by crook or by force or by a, however by manipulation by sneakiness by lying uh whatever however they do it it's also sometimes driven by hatred uh and ignorance i mean some people just just have a great uh hatred towards others so they want to take their property take whatever take what's theirs um or ignorance they don't even have a clue that they're doing it and and you know i just think of what's happening right now in ukraine with putin just kind of going in and saying i'm taking this and if you're not going to give it to me i'm going to destroy it it's like greed hatred ignorance writ large um it's it's just extraordinary and that's you know a huge example of it but it happens all the time where we take things that are not ours don't belong to us um and this is you know, this this precept of, um, you know, what a lot of people talk about as cash register honesty, like if you make change, if you're buying something and they give you too much change, making sure that you say, oh, wait, this is, you have gave me too much and giving it back. So there's that monetary aspect to it that... Um, is very important part of it but there's also a lot of other ways where we can take what's not freely offered and i think that's really important to look like look at because we can cause so much harm by thinking we deserve things we may not actually deserve deserve in in air quotes um in burma this precept is often thought of um or it's c- breaking a promise is considered breaking this precept so that doesn't necessarily have to do with any financial or monetary or possessions or stuff but you have told someone you will do something offered something perhaps by getting something in return and then you're not so you're taking something from them by breaking a promise uh, in Thailand, gambling is considered breaking this precept. So uh, because it's because it causes greed, it causes, you know, it it lights the fires of of grasping and clinging and wanting more. And so there are different ways to view this. And so not just financial, but also, um, well, this is kind of financial, but like 40 hours a week for 40 hours pay is a saying, are you, are you showing up and um doing what you say you're going to do in return for what you're getting um i guess that's a bit of fraudulence that's you're you're defrauding somebody like if you're padding your expense account so to speak that's taking what's not freely offered that's doing it through fraudulence that's you know a lot of these precepts the the fourth precept is um being careful with our speech and I'll get into that, but a lot of these uh, intersect. They're not necessarily very discrete, but they kind of one is uh, done by um, breaking one precept means you're also breaking another precept. So they kind of go hand in hand sometimes. And so um, that's false speech, even false communication, padding our expense account, padding. Excuse me, padding our expense account. Another thing, taking like. Um, well, again, this is um, kind of financially, but, you know, the old story about work, taking stuff. Well, I can take this stapler. I can take these rubber bands, whatever it is, because they're big. They'll never understand. I can shoplift because it's I'm sticking it to the man, so to speak. They'll never know. And it's like it doesn't matter if they'll never know. You can get away with stuff for years It's what you're doing. It's your awareness of what's happening. We can justify, we can rationalize, we can make every excuse in the book. It's really amazing what we can do and how we can um, uh, justify our behavior. But bottom line, is it taking what's not freely offered? It's really, really, really important to um, investigate each of these actions that we may be taking for ourselves you know um thinking that other people there's watching envy watching jealousy thinking other people are getting things that we deserve and we plot and we plan and mean, manipulate to get things back from them um, relationships jobs all kinds of things um, so watching when envy and jealousy appear and see if they're drivers in our actions or our behaviors it's really important um then 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 in when we're in relationship with others uh, any type of relationship are we taking time away from other people that isn't really offered are we i love the i love the, the phrase energy suck energy vampires you know taking 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 from people who are kind and generous it's really important to recognize when we're doing those kinds of things um i have i'm sure you've all been with people who um at least i've been with people who i hesitate to ask them how they are i don't even have to ask them how they are they will talk for 20 minutes and just i'm you know i i can walk away but sometimes i'm just trying to be polite um, because i i say they don't have an off switch they're oblivious that comes from ignorance and they're sucking up my time I have someone who used to talk about an uncle he had who used to get him in the corner at at family gatherings and just, you know, talk to him and point him, point his finger in his face and just like until the eyes glaze over. If you're doing that to someone else, you can recognize that, that you're taking time from other people, um, taking relationships. This is, this, Kind of, kind of goes into the third precept where you're, you're plotting. Um, if somebody's in a relationship with somebody else and you want to take that person away from them, that's also taking what's not freely offered. That's also, you know, um, third precept, the the sexual misconduct. As I said, which I'll get into in a in a way, in a bit. So, really, making the effort to ask ourselves. Am I taking what's not freely offered? And when this becomes part of your view of the world, when you take this precept and set an intention to live in this way, it becomes amazing to see all these little places that we're taking stuff. I'll tell this story because it was kind of an eye-opener for me. Several years ago, I was on a retreat, at spirit rock and my everyone who's on retreat has a little job to do it's part of um keeping the retreat going and my job was to help clean up where the teacher the teachers have a yurt and to where they had their meals and um had meetings and so my job was to clean up um and refill their things uh, their 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 tea their sugar whatever and so I would go down there every day and then I'd go back to the kitchen and the cook would I bring stuff down that they needed refilled. And one day uh, the ki- the cook had, I think it was around Halloween, the cook had a bag of um, those little candies, the little miniature Crackle, Mr. Goodbar, Hershey's. And she said, here, take this bag and leave it in the, um, the teacher's yurt for th- their snacks. And I took it down and I went... And there's not a lot of candy to be had on retreat. And so I took it down there and I left it and I went, Ooh, I could have a candy. I could take some of these. And then I realized they were not given to me, they were not freely offered. They were for the teachers. And it's so easy to take. But what happens is that I would know, and and it's not causing any great harm anywhere. Nobody's being hurt. Nobody's going to miss the, a crackle or a Mr. Goodbar. But I will know internally that I have taken something that was not given to me, no matter how small. I could rationalize that, but it's like, you know what, I have taken this precept. Because you take the precepts when you go on retreat. I took that precept. So I would know internally, and ethical behavior is paramount in these teachings in this practice i mean not just in the precepts but across the board and the buddha and many places teach ethics before meditation because when you sit down and you have this like uh, this i know what i did and i shouldn't have done it it really makes it challenging to be with yourself so to watch even these little things So that our minds are clear, our hearts are clear. It's like, I'm not causing any harm. What harm was I causing? I was causing harm to myself by doing something. And that's a little teeny, teeny, teeny example. And we can magnify, I mean, all the harm I've caused in my life by wanting things. i used to shoplift when I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, I did a lot of things like that. um, Because I thought I needed to because i thought i needed that stuff and so now that i'm older and responsible and paying attention it's like i don't need that stuff because as i said the flip side of that is that's a that comes from craving that comes from the root of our suffering which is craving and wanting things and and um greed so that's what feeds this this taking of stuff but what this precept also invites us to do is instead cultivate generosity, cultivate renunciation, letting go of what we know will cause suffering. So I let go of that idea of getting some candy because I knew it would only cause me discomfort later. So letting go of what doesn't serve. And so we cultivate honesty and generosity, offering things you know, offering to take someone to the airport—that's an act of generosity. That goes again. That's a gift of time, a gift of listening to another person, um, letting go of what doesn't work. And then also, there's the practice of mudita, which is one of the heart practices, which is um, appreciative joy being happy for the good fortune of others, spiritual generosity, not wanting what they have because there's this sense of lack, just being opened and happy for others. So it fosters this open-heartedness, and it's an antidote to craving and clinging. So that that's, that's how we move through, um, or that's what um, uh, I would offer for the second precept. It's really um important to just see in our own lives and as with all of these precepts you find your own way with it that's why it's so i think it's just brilliant that these teachings are don't do this don't do this don't do this don't do this but here's some big parameters and where are you where are you um uh transgressing or where are you crossing these these boundaries that into perhaps some harm um and i'm sure most of us don't cause great harm we cause little harms those little pinpricks over and over and over again and so to to see where this is this is uh, showing up in your life and then the the next one is to abstain from sexual misconduct and i think it is um, incredibly important and I think the Buddha recognized how incredibly important this part of our life is that there's a precept for it Um, the impulse of sexual desire can be so strong and it can cause so much harm excuse me I know we've I've been hurt by in this arena excuse me I know I've hurt others in this arena. I'm sure all of us have been hurt in this arena. So it's um, really important to recognize it, to acknowledge it, because so often it is swept under under the table because it's like, ooh, taboo, we can't talk about that stuff. No, it actually has to be talked about because of the harm that is caused. And um, the way this precept is uh found in the suttas is very much of the era that the buddha lived in and so he was conditioned by the 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 norms of his time and it's funny when i started talking about this um last time there was someone um in the class who asked a question about or she had just done a class with someone who talked about this precept who talked about how patriarchal it is because it does primarily come from the lens of the male the man cannot have um intercourse or sex with um a married woman um or a married woman cannot have yeah married woman cannot have sex outside of her outside of wedlock and and all these things and so it is from that point of view but also recognizing that buddhism is very adaptable and um uh when you can clearly see the conditioning that shapes how people um uh, lived and see that maybe that isn't wise or there are different different um, aspects at play like in India, the um, their poly poly men had many wives, concubines were very common, harems, so on and so forth. And women had a very difficult time um, supporting themselves. And so if a woman died, she was often um, excuse me, if a, uh, yeah, if a woman if wo- a woman's husband died, she was often... Um, then became the the wife of his brother or another person in the family and in fact the buddha's mom mother died just a week after he was born and she was raised by his aunt her sister because both of them were married to his father so very different society Um, so let me just just um, read a little bit about what um, it says in the suttas he the man avoids sexual misconduct and ab- ex- abstains from it. He has no intercourse with such persons as are still under the protection of father, mother, brother, sister, or relatives, nor with married women, nor with female convicts, nor lastly with betrothed girls. Um, you know, a woman—three, three types of women—he can have uh, sex with: a woman who is married to another man. A woman who's still under protection meaning a a, a girl who's under age or a woman who's prohibited by convention uh such as female relatives or so on and so forth and so it doesn't say anything about women it just says men and then another thing that's uh uh points to a little bit of this patriarchy is that the monastics um have a code of con uh, well have precepts and the male the males have. Uh, couple hundred monks have i forget what the number is uh 200 and something precepts and the nuns have yeah yeah the monks have 227 precepts and the nuns have 311 precepts so um they're under more control so there is that image but as i said it's um um buddhism is adaptable and has uh adapted to a lot of places where it's landed and so when we look at this today we can recognize that um not it's not all about the male but it's about people and to give it that broader context and um, the broader perspective is about causing harm and bhikkhu bodhi says the essential purpose is to prevent sexual relations which are hurtful to others to prevent sexual relations which are hurtful to others um what causes harm you know and and the implication is that it should be consensual there's nothing about homosexuality same-sex relations in the suttas um does that cause harm? I mean, again, you can see a lot of places in a lot of period time periods, especially even today in this world right now, twenty twenty two, where a lot of religions say no, that's forbidden, you can't do that. But it doesn't talk about causing harm. It talk. It's it's a religious development that has come up. Um, and when you look at these things, if you look at um, a lot of these rules that come up and these strictures, um, something happens that somebody doesn't like, so they make a rule about it. I mean, I remember in in the Omen texts for from Mesopotamia, they would have things like, if a if a cow if a calf is born with two heads, this is what it means. And it's like, well, obviously. A calf was born with two heads, so they had to figure out what it meant. So there's all these these strictures in place, which actually can cause a lot of harm. We see that right now with all the harm that's being caused by these, these laws that are being passed in the United States about um, uh, get, Don't Say Gay and, and the, in Texas about the trans kids and um, um, their parents being uh, accused of child abuse. And so it's it's um it's really important to investigate these things and to see what is driven by fear, what is driven by hatred, what is driven by lust or craving and what is driven by compassion and kindness and connection In relationship it's really not so simple sometimes people want to um legislate everything and we get in and legislate us into these little little um automatons who do everything the same way but that again as i said that's the brilliance of the precepts it's saying here's some parameters don't cause harm in this in this uh in this realm um and, you know, I have to acknowledge that even in Buddhism, there's been a lot of harm caused in this, in this realm. It, you know, um, teachers who have, been, have sexually abused students, obviously in the Catholic Church, but also in Buddhism, I don't think there's probably... If you have human beings involved, you're going to have harm caused by people who are not uh, aware and awake and practicing. And there is so much harm cause that it's incumbent upon us to pay attention I pay attention um so we have to be present in awareness um and you know it's really interesting I was listening to a talk and somebody was mentioning about the different types of relationships like if I my husband and I are have agreed to be monogamous and Having any kind of relations outside of marriage is is is, is a no go, and we've agreed to that, and that's part of our relationship. So, if I had, um, if I had any kind of relationship with or sexual uh, intimate relationship with another person that was not my husband, that would be breaking this precept. Then there are people who have a different kind of relationship. They have an open relationship. And so they do say, you can have relations, you know, intimate relationships with people outside of our our relationship. That is not breaking it. So it really is dependent on the harm, the consensual, the consensual nature of the relationship, and who's being harmed. Um... So I keep saying that over and over again but that's actually it and what re- recognizing that again this um this drive for uh sensual craving is or this drive for this this lust is uh driven by craving again and so to watch that craving again the root of so much suffering is craving and wanting things wanting sensual pleasure when perhaps it's just simply connection um, and intimacy. And the the, the the kind of the antidote to this is to find contentment in what you have in this moment. Again, that re- perhaps a flavor of renunciation. What kind of connection is there? What kind of connection is missing? Perhaps there's a different way to, to uh, cultivate connection and intimacy and contentment with what's right here being with what is being willing to live in harmony and and cultivate this ethical foundation for your life it's so easy to give into to to break this precept when we um, break some of the other precepts like the fifth precept is not taking um, drugs or alcohol that lead to heedlessness If I got drunk, I'm sure I could break this precept in probably half an hour. Uh, But that's why they all support each other. The precepts are kind of broken together, and when they're practiced in their entirety, they really support each other. And so it's important to bring the whole thing and create this ethical foundation. And and most of these precepts come out of the the ethical behavior part of the Eightfold Path, Sila where we, where we, we um, cultivate this integrity so that we can live in harmony. I'm not, nobody is in danger of being sexually abused by me because I've committed to this, um, committed to this precept. And I'm willing to let go of anything that might cross any lines. And And we have to be willing to really call out our rationalization and justification or be willing to listen to others who are calling us out on things we have to be open we have to recognize that we're imperfect none of us is perfect and we can get caught in delusion it's so easy to become deluded when we're caught in that craving so we have to be willing to listen and stop and pause and not do something really eyes wide open. It's so important to have eyes wide open as we move through this. So um this 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 um uh sensual craving is such a powerful uh driver that the buddha suggested that monastics are celibate. So they don't have to deal with it at all. Really just take it off the table. Um, and you're that much closer to enlightenment and liberation because you're not going to cross that um, boundary you don't have to deal with it so anyway those are my thoughts on the second and um, the second and third precept and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh was very eloquent and he wrote something called the five mindfulness trainings and he elaborated in much more detail about these these precepts, and I'm just going to read a little bit for each of these, because I think they're really helpful. It broadens it out from the, 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 um, the limited uh, uh, info that you might find in the, the suttas. And he talks about um, the second precept, which is not taking what's not offered, Aware of the suffering caused by exploitation, social injustice, stealing, and oppression, I am committed to practicing generosity in my thinking, speaking, and acting. I am determined not to steal and not to possess anything that should belong to others, and I will share my time, energy, and material resources with those who are in need. I will practice looking deeply to see that the happiness and suffering of others are not separate from my own happiness and suffering, that true happiness is not possible without understanding and compassion, and that running after wealth, fame, and power, power and sensual pleasure can bring much suffering and despair. I am aware that happiness depends on my mental attitude and not on external conditions and that I can live happily in the present moment by simply remembering that I already have more than enough conditions to be happy. I am committed to practicing right livelihood so that I can help reduce the suffering of living beings on earth and stop contributing to climate change. And one of the things I I didn't mention um, when I was talking about that uh, second precept is, you know, it grows, it's the systemic practices that are so common in our world and how capitalism causes so much harm. It's all about wealth building, and in wealth building, somebody gets... um, Somebody gets screwed. I read something the other day that said there can't you can't be a billionaire without having caused harm somewhere. It wasn't in a Buddhist context, and that's not exactly what they said, but somebody has to, you have to walk over someone at some point to get a billion dollars. And do you really need a billion dollars? So just the, you know, the exploitation of workers in any way, shape, or form is breaking this precept. So we have to see how it... Um, impacts us uh, societally and um, systemically not just personally but how do we walk through the world big picture really important and I really appreciate um, Thich Hans Hanh's uh, pointing to this and then finally the third precept he says true love Aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I am committed to cultivating responsibility and learning ways to protect the safety and integrity of individuals, couples, families, and society. Knowing that sexual desire is not love and that sexual activity motivated by craving always harms myself as well as others. I am, not, I am determined not to engage in sexual relations without true love and a deep long-term commitment made known to my family and friends. I will do everything in my power to protect children from sexual abuse and to prevent couples and families from being broken by sexual misconduct. Seeing that body and mind are one, I am committed to learning appropriate ways to take care of my sexual energy and cultivating loving kindness, compassion, joy, and inclusiveness, which are the four basic elements of true love, for my greater happiness and the greater happiness of others. Practicing true love, we know that we will continue beautifully into the future. So again, these are so much broader, and, and um, they're just ways, different ways we can view how we move through the world um, in harmony. I think it's so important, that invitation to harmony. So, so, my friends, thank you, thank you, thank you for your kind patience. And I hope this has been of benefit in some way. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma.